Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 740, with Gene Cauley and Anthony Cruz. Well, I think you have to care to take initiative. Our, guy, our people have been working with us from almost day one, most of them. They're a part of it. Like, we make them a part of it. And they care. You know, and uh, and that's I think that's how you take initiative when you really care about something and you're involved in it. You know what I mean? If you don't care about it, it's hard to take initiative. Oh, I don't feel like wiping this fryer. I'm just going to ignore it. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable find out why toast pos is the number one recommended restaurant pos system on restaurants unstoppable if you're going to survive this upcoming recession you have got to adapt and you can't just adapt you have to adapt fast with toast's cloud-based restaurant pos your system will update to evolve along with changing industry trends and guest expectations to learn more head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners for a limited time you will get one month free pos software three months of free digital ordering tools and 50 percent off implementation to ease the impact of COVID-19. This is a value of $1,000, but you've got to use our links. What's going on, Unstoppables? If you've been listening to the show, you know that deal that we have with Toast doesn't stop at $1,000 worth of incentives or up to $1,000 worth of incentives. We're going to match it and send you a check for $1,000. We're going to split our commission with you as a thank you for using our link, but you got to make sure you don't reach out to Toast without using that link. you got to make first point of contact with that link, toasttab.com slash unstoppable, and then be sure to shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, so I can make sure to follow up with you uh, and get Get you that check for an additional $1,000. And thank you so much in advance for supporting the show. So today we have a great interview. Uh, Paul Truneman put these two dudes on my radar a few months back. Uh, and man, um, Southern's Food, Anthony Cruz and Gene Colley crushed it today. I love what these guys are doing. I love their approach into the industry, starting where they can and letting cash flow and people determine their growth and not getting into debt and just knowing that if you show up every day, you keep on getting better and better at what you do and you, and you just make really great food and you're generous and you love your community and your employees, opportunities will come to you. These guys are a shining example of that. They have really good advice around just scrappiness and getting into markets. If you're going to be doing pop-ups and you're uh, literally you're starting your restaurant under a tent, these are the guys you want to listen to. Uh, they were going to be going into a brick and mortar. They decided to hold off on that because of COVID-19. They decided to get into the food truck direction. They actually just launched their food truck in between when we recorded this and, uh, this episode going live. So if, if that's you, if you're in that area of pop up and you're in, you're in the process of scaling your vision from literally the ground up. Uh, these are the guys you want to listen to. They're going through it right now. Anthony Cruz and Gene Colley. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Anthony Cruz and Gene Colley. Are you two feeling unstoppable today? 
unstoppable. Feeling pretty unstoppable. (laughs) Yes, that's what we like to hear. So I'm excited to be here. You're here because I'm a good friend with Paul Tournament. He's been a repeat guest on the show, and I'm always talking to Paul, letting him know when I when I'm planning to come to town. And uh, when he's when he found out I was coming to town, I was like, Paul, who do I got to get on the show? And he's like, for at least six months now, he's been saying you got to get the guys from Southern's Food uh, on the show. Uh, So here we are. We're in New Orleans. I know you have a really interesting background, Anthony. You have some experience working in white tablecloth settings. I know you work for John Besh, uh, uh, Spice, uh, Susan Spicer, Susan Spicer. Yep. And I uh, know Emerald Lagasse's restaurants for a little while. And you worked at a Michelin star in New York City. I did. Yeah. That's and correct. I know you're new to the restaurant industry, Gene. Uh, but what were, what were you doing before this real quick? I worked for a family business uh, in a warehousing business on the riverfront. Okay. The port of New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. And then you guys crossed paths around two, like six years ago. In 2007, you opened Golf Tacos. 17. 17. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. 2017, you opened Golf Tacos. About two years later, you took a swing at a fried chicken concept, uh, which is doing crazy good right now, um, known as Southern Foods. But you guys are going to be rolling out a bunch of other stuff, I'm, I've heard. Uh, we'll get into the story. But for, for now, let's just get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got? for us um you know i have a quote by muhammad ali actually nice it says service to others is the rent we pay for our room on earth service to others is the rent we pay for our room on earth is that did i butcher it i probably butcher (laughs) it but i'm close (laughs) but i love it why why that quote how's that resonate with you um you know if i go back a few years ago, everything that's happened with the companies um i think the catalyst for all of it is uh i helping others yeah and i i firmly believe that and i yeah. like the essence of what this is all about sharing information helping one another um yeah when i started giving back and helping i started receiving mm. and uh yeah i just i love it i can't wait to dive into when that that turning point happened for you uh but it's so true i mean like it's one of the biggest lessons i've learned on the show we are tribal and our, our ability to take care of those people around us will only serve us in the long run the, the better we take care of those who are around us the better they'll take care of us it's a, it's a great lesson for sure so where does it make sense to start sharing your story so i know anthony you were on a trajectory for a career in food and beverage um, did you get? And then I know you got off that path for a while. You were working in healthcare for a little while, trying to bring yeah. awareness to opioids, right? Yes. So I guess let's bring it back to when did you know? I mean, what, what was going on? Just tell your story. Um, okay, I'm from Los Angeles originally. Okay, and um, I I made a call. There was a cookbook. I think it was called like Two Fat Ladies. Okay. Okay. Which they had a show on PBS, and uh, I was at my mom's. There was a cookbook. And it was about Oysters Rockefeller. Okay. And things weren't going the best in L.A. at this particular time. This was maybe 2006. And uh, I called Antoine's restaurant, never cooked. And I said, hey, you guys hiring. Katrina just hit. And um, I talked to the chef. He said, we are. I, I literally, it's one of those moments. I packed up my forerunner and drove to New Orleans. Nice. And I didn't get that job. I got a job at the Napoleon House um, in the French Quarter. And uh, I just worked up the ranks. Yeah. Um, I... From there, I went on to NOLA, and I, um, I worked over there as a line cook, and I just kind of moved around, and I started mentoring with different restaurants and chefs that I admire. I worked at Bayona with Susan Spicer. I worked at um, Luke, John Besh Restaurant under Steve McHugh, who's awesome. Um, worked with Adolfo Garcia for a little bit, and then I worked at Le Ferre in 2010. I think we got Best Restaurant uh, in New Orleans Magazine. Um, James Corwell... Is that his? 
hope I got it. Um, amazing. He was a certified master chef, and um, he was probably the most instructive. And I even went to uh, New York and worked at a Michelin star restaurant and then burned out. Started drinking way what too much. What year was this when you burned out? The burnout? Um, I guess the burnout would have happened around 2012, 2013. So from 2007 to 2005 is what you just laid out for us, basically. Um, 2015, 2000, sorry. Yes. 2007 to 2015. Well, about 2007, 2000. 12. Did you say 12? I'm, five years is what I meant to say. You had five years in the industry. Uh, from that, that yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, but the point is, like, we just recently had somebody on the show who said never work uh, in at one spot. It was actually uh, Mike Ripka from Torchy's Tacos. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that brand, no. um, but out of Austin, huge. He said never work more than two years at one place when you're coming up to get that experience to round yourself out. Give at least a year. You know, you want you don't want to be jumping around too much, but you should be moving around to learn. And you worked at some. I, th- I think you listed at least four. Or five legitimate operations in that time. Were yeah. there any like key spots where you really evolved the most? Um, I think with each one, if I go back to each chef, uh, there were moments where they almost made me cry, but I also got something out of it. I remember, um, I remember Susan Spicer, just her meticulousness and her like, just pr- we would have to, we would have to get the herbs and the way you had to pick it. And I remember thinking at the time, this is bullshit. Like this is way over the top. And then just learning how much passion she had in her product. And there was time she literally almost made me cry or quit, but it was probably cry. Um, ooh. And there were just certain chefs, James Corwell, his knife skills and his, um, his pursuit of perfection was, it was, I just I stood in awe of that chef, and uh, I just saw various things. I, I've worked with some of the old school chefs, where they kind of yell, uh, authoritarian. And when I went to Saul's in New York, he was so laid back. He had a Michelin star and was just so chill. And just each one brought something to the table. And um, yeah, I just I, I guess I just kind of absorbed it. Yeah, you know. Let's let's pull back some of the layers on this. So with okay. Susan, you said detail. Uh, from her, you really learned the importance of detail and the meticulousness of pulling off every leaf on the spices there. Um, you also said she almost made you cry. But what was it about her that made you want to come back? You know, I think the good, all good leaders is um, they demand your respect. Okay. Okay. And so there's that thing. It would be worse if they said you let me down. You know, and so I think it was just I want to impress them. I respect them. I mean, she was doing stuff when women were not in kitchens. And so there was just that level of respect. Um, I think that was it of just I I was drawn to it. I wanted to learn. So she demanded your respect. But (laughs) reflecting back at that time, reflecting back on this woman, what was it about her that was so respectful for you? Why did she have your respect? What did you respect about her? Just what she was doing culinarily. I think um, at this particular time, she was doing some TV spots on Top Chef. She had just put out a, a cookbook. She had helped. I mean, she was, um, I believe she was pretty key in getting Donald Link kind of started up and just helping the people that had helped her along the way and just making that footprint in New Orleans food scene. And it, it was just that. And I think it goes a long way. Maybe not outside of New Orleans, but I think if you say that you worked at a Susan Spicer restaurant, you know, in this industry in New Orleans, I think that means something. Yeah. Now, you know? were you close with her? I mean, I know a lot of no. people probably came through her restaurant. Um, no. What did you learn about like leadership and how to how to, how to command that respect? I think the leadership. I mean, it, each. I think that's what I got from her. I know that like um, Steve McHugh, he's got a place in. Uh, 
San Antonio now. You cured. Um, I yes. Yeah. He, I learned his exped, the way he would expedite and run a line. I just, I kind of saw him as like an orc, you know, like a conductor running an orchestra. And um, that was amazing. And you worked with him at Luke when you were I in I worked San with Antonio. him at Luke. Yes. And you were in San Antonio for a little bit then. I right? wasn't in San no? Antonio. Okay, no. so he he got. I think they opened a Luke in San Antonio at one point. Maybe a second. I Luke. think I heard. That. It's hard to keep track of everything, but I did not realize that Steve McHugh came up through Besh Restaurants. Yeah. Um, so you were working for Besh Restaurants, and that's when McHugh was also there before yep. he opened Cured. Um, he said you, you said you learned about how to orchestrate the way he expedited. Right. Uh, what else did he teach you? Um, just. I think on a personal level, he was, um, I just resonated towards him. He was funny. He was witty. He could do um, vanilla ice. He could do that whole, he would do it on the line, word for word, wrap it. And he just, he knew how to make you laugh and he knew how to push you. Um, I just remember uh, a lunch rush at Luke was almost insane. And you don't get tickets. It's all callback. And if you ever worked on the line, the ego does not want to allow you to say what's an all day. And the way he would just say, it's little, you know, enunciate here, say it there. And I might be 40 tickets in and he could just say it in such a way like Mozart almost, you know, and you just felt at ease. Like you're basically going through a very stressful situation and he could just kind of guide you along, you know, and and with most chefs that I've that I've admired, they know almost how to push you to your breaking point. It's just like innate quality. And it's like they get a sense, okay, he's about to break, and just that you did a good job. They wouldn't mm. do it often, but you did good tonight. And just that little statement would build you up just enough, and they'd push you to your breaking point and then do that. And what you're really learning is what you're made of, how yes. to be better. Yeah, so you know? a great chef, when we hear from you, is a great chef knows to push the envelope and knows when, they, when an individual, and it's case by case. So you can't push certain case. people as hard as other people. So you've got to know how to read people's emotional state and then how to bring them to that edge to get the most out of them and then reward them so they know that they're growing like there's a lot happening there the other thing that i pulled that was kind of subtle is this idea of being able to stay cool calm and collected when everyone's in the shit because everyone's gonna like everyone might be in the shit but if you get in the shit there with them like you know as a leader you gotta you gotta be mindful of what your energy is and it sounds like you have that ability to just to keep it locked down yeah, and look, I want, I want to give a shout-out to Gene because uh, we're kind of yin and yang. Yeah, don't worry. I, I, I tend to be fiery you, and passionate. <laughs> and when we're busy, Gene is the cool one. So yeah. he's actually, I kind of get worked up. I'm emotional, and Gene is cool. Sometimes I get frustrated, but he's actually the calmness and the storm, which I really appreciate. Yeah. So. Um, so any other key mentors, key people? You put a lot of emphasis on Susan. You put a lot of emphasis on uh, Steve McHugh. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I think James Corwell, I probably learned the most from. He was just doing, I know that we were doing dishes um, that were reminiscent of like French laundry. Um, he had the, uh, the Alinea cookbook and he, he would just kind of welcome that. And he was, his knife skills, he would just tourne carrots, which is ridiculous. Why do I need a <laughs> carrot with, you know, eight sides? And he would just, which, and it kind of goes in to out. He would have knife skills that were impeccable. And um, he was just, he was amazing. He was probably the most talented. Um, I know that he would do a dish by concept. He would diagram it, talk about it. And he would allow you to come up with something, but it had to be solid. Mm. And uh, yeah, he was amazing. I think he started Ocean Huggers. It's like a, 
a plant-based, I think it's like a sushi. I've been trying to reach out to him. I need to get a hold of him. But yeah, he's doing tuna, uh, like tomato, where it looks like tuna, and doing like plant-based sushi, which is being sold at... Okay. Uh, he might be a good recommendation. There we there. go. He's on my, my radar. Uh, so he, <laughs> it sounds like you learned a lot about food. Uh, but did he t- what did he teach you about uh, leadership or business? Did he give you any business act skills or anything along those lines? So when I'm working with these chefs, I don't have the skill set that they necessarily have. Okay? But I'm a cog in the machine. And so I think what I got from them is you didn't necessarily, and then I'm applying this today. So I might have people that are working with me for me that might not have a certain skill set that I possess, but how can we orchestrate that where we're all getting to the place we want to be? Okay. And you actually hit it on the head. It's an individual case-by-case basis. So what does that tell me? I have to be present. I have to be aware. You know, I might need to go hard with this one. This one, sometimes people need a fire under their ass. And sometimes people need kind of a pat on the shoulder. And which one's going to work? And just that ability to, um, to be present, to know your staff. Yeah. And I think that that is one thing that I got and, um, from them. Along with it, all of them had... They were like perfectionists. Mm. You know, they wouldn't let something subpar go out. And I think that's the, the power of getting on the right teams because not every restaurant you walk into are going to be operating at Michelin star skills. But if you can get into one of those restaurants, uh, the, the people that are there are building their careers. They're going to take it seriously. You're going to become the average of those individuals for sure. I think it's a, you know, you can't underestimate the value in that. Um, but I, let's, let's put you kind of on the back burner for now, Anthony, Please. so we can focus on your boy Gene over here. So Gene, what were you doing? Where was your life? Any, any like key, like, like, like just kind of paint that picture of what was going on in your life during this time when he's so talking. I, I worked for a family business on the, on the riverfront. Um, working for my dad. Gotcha. And I went out there young, mm-hmm. 17 years old. And, um, and he put me working with these old school longshoremen. Okay. And they were my mentors. Yeah. These guys taught me work ethic that I, I wouldn't have learned anywhere Pick else. Pick one guy and give us a, that example of what, our, what, what that work ethic looked like. Uh, I would have to say uh, Dale was my dad's foreman. Okay. And uh, I, to this day, I don't know anybody that can outwork this man. He's in his 50s. And he, he would get down there and work with us. But these guys taught me to when, you, when something needs to be done, you just do it. Mm. You don't talk about it. You don't get somebody else to do it. If you see something that needs to be done and you don't do it, these guys would jump all over you. Yeah. And I'm 17. I don't want to get jumped on. So I would just – I learned that early. Take the initiative. Uh, treat it like you own exactly. it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I carry that with me with everything that I do. Um, I probably work too hard i'll go crazy and work 10 hours straight because i just don't want to stop so are you passing that sentiment on to the do you guys have people working for you right now i know you're still in a small operation yes at one point before the pandemic we had probably 10 people that would work for us rotating so how did you communicate that that mentality of uh just if you see something do it how did you pass that along to the people that Uh, by example you know what i mean like we would do it we're, we're the ones cleaning these fryers. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're the ones wiping stuff down before service and after service. And, you know, th- like there's nothing we will tell them to do that we don't do on a regular basis. But if they see you do it, now they know that, that that's how we learn is we, we, we learn through witnessing other people and seeing the expectation and, and witnessing it and, and, and doing it to the same level. You, like we have to paint that picture of perfection or people will never know what to, to aim for. But, but how do you let people know? You mentioned like this mentality of letting them know that if they see something that needs to get done to giving them the 
permission to take the initiative. And a lot of people don't give their people the free will to do well, that kind of I thing. I think you have to care okay. to take initiative. And, and our, our, guy, our people have been working with us from almost day one, most of them. And they, they're, they're a part of it. Like, we make them a part of it. Yeah. And they care. Mm. You know? And, uh, and that's, I think that's how you take initiative when you really care about something and you're involved in it. You know what I mean? If you don't yeah. care about it, it's hard to take initiative. Oh, I don't feel like wiping this fryer. I'm just going to ignore it. Okay. Um, but I feel like when you care about it, I want to I want to come back to that later in the story and how you how you empower your people to take initiative because I think that's a great lesson to to give that level of of freedom to your people to, to you know if they, if they see something you hear people say it all the time that's not my job but like right. to create that that the lower the hierarchy right and to to empower people to to know the expectation across the board and to, to make it right when it's not right, I think is super powerful. But uh, back to the story, we're 2012. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're starting to get to the point where you're burning out. Um, did you kind of hit a situation? With, you said, did you mention alcohol? I heard maybe you're, you're drinking too much. Yeah, drinking. Yeah, just drinking too much. Yeah. You know? And um, you were in New York City during this time? I was. I went to New York for a little bit, and then I came back to New Orleans, and um, it was just it was kind of done. Look, one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, in the service industry, it kind of can cater to that. If that's your lifestyle, like heavy drinking, that's very normal sometimes in the industry. I think it's it's shifting, but um, and just got burned out. Yeah, burned out, and so I, I quit. I quit drinking. Haven't had a drink for almost six years, and um, yeah, I got out the food scene. Look, still a foodie, but um, wasn't going to work. And look, this is kind of coming to the forefront with the pandemic. Um, you know, it's funny that I worked in all this fine dining, yet, you know, one of the things that I could rarely do was eat the food, eat fine dining, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you. um, and so it was just, it was, I don't know if it was necessarily like premeditated, but just kind of life took me in a direction of uh, healthcare for a while. Mm. So, so yeah. why that path? And, um, did you like take us through your recovery? Cause I think that's a, something that I, I feel like we can learn something from a lot like you pointed out it's an issue within this industry right so what did you do you said six years now so we're in 2020 so 2014 was your last drink yeah and was that when you were working in the healthcare uh no 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 that was before okay that was before so yeah that was my last drink in 2014 and it kind of ties into the quote that i opened up with um, didn't necessarily know I was going to disclose this, but um, that's what I do, man. I get the yeah. Good no, stuff. no. Look, it's good. Out. Actually, one yeah. of my dreams is uh, I want to get with a few chefs, and I'd love to start a nonprofit where we can find resources and, and get people help mm. that if they're drinking, they're in the service industry that we can kind of facilitate them to get some of the help. Um, yeah. So I just I got sober. Actually, I started working at a treatment center and just kind of moved up the ladder of healthcare, like behavioral health. And, so what um, happened between 2012 and 2014? Like what was going on in your life that transitioned into healthcare? Oh, just a lot of drinking. Okay. You know? So what the hell happened that made you all of a sudden say I'm done? Um, I guess it just got dark like yeah. anything else, you know? Like the hoarder whose house has just gotten ridiculously, but that was inside. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things had just kind of gotten out of control, burned a lot of bridges, woke up one day, realized I don't have many friends. You know, a lot of the people I'd been working with were opening up restaurants and stuff and, you know. Yeah. People. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah a, I feel you. A pivot. But, you know, the, the reason why I'm so interested in this is because I just finished reading for this second time or listening for the second time, The Power of Habit. And they use uh, alcoholism in people that recover from dr- 
drinking too much. And one of the big things, I don't know if you had alcoholism. I don't want to label you. I don't put that label on you. But um, <laughs> He did. Okay. <laughs> so, but the, the thing is, is it's, it's the power of habit, of like replacing the drinking habit with something else. Because like you still have the it, the routine stay in the same. But what, what makes AA work, for example, is that, that the, the coming together, having the group is they replace that togetherness with going to the bar. Or a lot of people drink because they want to socialize. And hmm. with AA, you have the power of the group. Was there anything that like that you did in your life to replace the habit of drinking that maybe we can pull a tip from this? Um, yeah. So look, I did. I uh, started going to some meetings. Um, I, I kind of have a, a group of people kind of like-minded, but I mean, it's funny because most of our pop-ups are breweries, Yeah. but, um, yeah, I just kind of replaced that. And then the most important thing, and it's nothing I really like to talk about, but since we're going down this road is uh, I give along with Gene, a lot of my spare time goes to helping people mm. without, you know, we don't post about that, but we, um, we help a lot of people that struggle with addiction and alcoholism on top of that. Uh, kind of our mission statement was like good food supporting a good cause. Golf Tacos gives a percentage of all sales um, to Bridge House, mm. which is a wonderful organization in New Orleans that helps men and women with alcohol and drug addiction. So it's just something that we do. But it sounds like this 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 uh, community of people that you're trying to help are your new support group, right? And now you're showing up to be there for them. You're you're being their new routine, their new habit, right? Instead of yeah. like they're, they're I don't know. I'm, I'm making assumptions right now, but like there's things we can do, right? I mean, what are, what are your thoughts, Gino, on this? You got it sounds like you got to witness this from a third perspective. What changed? Were you guys, you're friends with each other at this point, right? 2014. So, or, so yeah. I, I'm in the same boat. I'm, okay. We're both in recovery. Nice, nice, nice. We met in recovery. Our sobriety dates are okay. one day apart. He's got one that, day more than me. So a, we a, went through this <laughs> We went through this journey together, nice, early sobriety, man. before doing any kind of business together. You know, it's, it's a great segue because the next question was, when did you guys start to overlap? Because it was around this time, 2014, right. where you guys have, you know, you said it's been we six years. We were both years. getting sober together oh, okay. at the same time, same group of people. Um, I knew he had the food background. He cooked all the time for friends. You know what I mean? We, so almost in a, in a way, the, the two of you, and again, I'm making assumptions here. Make them. Come on, make them. But the two of you guys, were <laughs> you, you got to replace your, your you had each other to replace the, those habits, you know, Absolutely. those routines. And it's so important. I don't, I don't think you can get through it on your own. I think you need some, you need support. You need people. You need new groups of people trying to become better when you're, you need to get away from the old routines, the old habits, right? And it sounds like having each other was that, uh, vehicle you need to, to get out of that bad situation. I helped them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> let's move. Let's let's move away from the dark shit. Um, uh, this is interesting stuff, though. So you guys come together, 2014. Um, when did the conversation for uh, doing your own concept start? Because so uh, I I started working for a friend of mine on the weekends who did festivals. He sold okay. food at festivals. And I would do that to make extra money. And, uh, and I knew Anthony was a chef, so I kept telling him, man, if we could get into these festivals, if we could come up with something that no one's doing at these festivals, we could make some money with When this. did these conversations start? Probably 2015. Okay, early, so like a year Early later. 2015. Um, and then we, it was, we talked about it for, for probably six months. And then I found out that a guy who was doing tacos at all these festivals quit. He was burnt out. He was done. He was selling all of his equipment. I tell Anthony about it. And at the time, I think I had like $1,500, $2,000 to my name. Okay. And I think he had about the same. Yeah. 
And we went and met with the guy and we had a storage unit and, and we made him an offer of $3,000 for all of his equipment. And that was pretty much everything we had. And I remember oh. our wives were like, what are y'all doing? Doghouse. <laughs> I have a picture of that day. Like It was like this. Oh, the van was here recently, but it's gone. The van we bought from him and a little bit of cooking equipment. And I have this selfie I took, like driving away with the van. We were so happy. And it's like the raggediest van you've ever seen. You know? So what, what's your, your draw to f- the food and beverage? Because it sounds like this was like never really a part of your life until this moment. Right. So I enjoyed working these festivals okay. with this guy. I mean, we had fun. Okay. It was a lot of work, but it was exciting. It was something different for me. Mm. I'm used to operating heavy machinery on a riverfront, and it's yeah. just, oh, I was so burnt out on that. And this was something new yep. and exciting. You know, it. and and we bought that equipment, and we and in two weeks we had our first event booked. Dude, I love this. So this is a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Did you know Toast is the number one most recommended POS on Restaurant Unstoppable? I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that more than two thirds of their employees have worked in the restaurant industry. And I'm feeling pretty confident that has something to do with their commission-free online ordering, which is a hot ticket right now, which lets guests easily order directly from restaurants for pickup or contactless delivery to keep revenue flowing during these uncertain times. They even have delivery services, which dispatches local drivers through an on-demand network to keep your community fed and revenue coming. Regardless of the reason why people are recommending Toast, I highly recommend you go check them out during this industry-wide pause. To learn more head to toasttab.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners for a limited time get one month of free pos software three months of free digital ordering tools and 50 percent off implementation to ease the impact of covid19 this is a value of one thousand dollars one more time that's toasttab dot com slash unstoppable you have to use that link to save one thousand dollars all right so we're back and you were just telling us about how this this guy who had a taco operation out of a food truck was starting to burn out uh and i love that approach of being someone's exit strategy and just being ready knowing having a desire knowing it's that desire is there but not necessarily just going for any opportunity waiting until you can get a deal and being someone's exit strategy what was this trailer this this whole get up turnkey operation valued at if you guys had a guess probably three thousand dollars okay so you guys didn't get a steal or anything like that i mean we look so look if we would have had to buy everything we needed to do that first event it would have cost way more than three thousand dollars if you had a ballpark number what would you say uh eight thousand yeah probably between eight to ten yeah to buy everything new you know what i mean this guy had everything that we needed to do our first event Yep. Basically, we we had to buy a few small things. And you worked for him before, right? But no, you did. This was a different him. guy that I saw okay. while I was working for the fir- the other guy. Gotcha. I would see him at all these festivals, and uh, I remember it's funny when we when we showed up to buy the stuff. He he just looks so beat, and he oh. and he's like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, why on earth would you want to get into this business? You yeah. Know? And he goes, but then I think you know we're at different stages in life, and we were so excited. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I think it, it, there's so much power in being someone's exit strategy because because you can like they just want to like wipe their hands clean of the, the situation and just just walk away from it if they've had enough. A lot of people get into this industry not knowing what to expect and they just underestimate the amount of work oh, it's, it's going to be. Tough. Yeah, so you guys um, for three thousand uh, dollars, this is when you guys start Golf Tacos. Correct. Tacos, yeah. And uh, this was 2017? 17. February, February yeah. 2017. All right. We bought the equipment, and that day we, we secured our first event. And I want to give a shout-out to um, he gave us a contact for our first event, which was a really good event. The, and he didn't have to do that. He okay. gave me a phone number. I called the phone number, and we were able to get in. It was, what, three weeks? It, it was, was happening. Two, I think it was two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And the cool thing about this, too, is that um, – you know that this person in this in this scenario, like the the uh, festivals they go to, you know there's a void, a taco exactly, void now exactly. because you just and like there's a lead, like right there for right. you, like the the, the relation. You're not just buying the equipment; you're buying the relationships and the opportunities that come along with it. Most festivals won't allow duplicate items, yeah. So you have to come up with something that no one's doing, but that's practical to do at a festival outdoors. Okay, I love um, it. So what were did like did you instantly go out and become an LLC like yes. so you like how long did it take you to get your first uh event was it like you said it was it was, it was two between two and three weeks so we had an event book so I got jumped straight on a computer <laughs> yeah. went to gobiz.com there you go this is and a, set up the LLC in gotcha. two days we had the LLC okay um gobiz uh what what is gobiz it's a platform here in New Orleans okay. uh it's like a one stop shop you can do every step. It brings you through it step by step. It's super user friendly. Gotcha. Um, so in, within two days, you can have an LLC. Gotcha. Pretty cheap. Nice. Um, and what, what, take us through that that first two weeks. You guys didn't even have a menu. Like what so was we like? had we had all the equipment at my dad's warehouse. Okay. And we would go in there after hours. And I I, I remember we set it all up in there <laughs> like how we were going to do it. I think this should go here, you know. And then we need a front. So I'm like building all kind of stuff to make it look good. You know, I, I, like we made all the menu boards right there. Like I'm cutting wood and painting it. And we had a friend of ours, you know, draw the menu boards up. I mean, we were scrambling. scrambling. And this first event was a big event. It wasn't like a little market. Like it was, it was Barkus, which is like a Mardi Gras event. Okay. And there's only three food vendors for thousands and thousands wow. of people. So out of thousands of people, it was you and two other vendors. You got this opportunity. Correct. That's incredible. So um, what, like reflecting back at this time, I mean, festivals is something that doesn't come up a lot on the show. So I really don't know best advice for festivals. Like over, you've been doing festivals now for three years. Like knowing what you know now, what do you wish you knew in those first couple events? Well, I had the advantage of working for someone who did festivals. Okay. So I had a lot of that, you know, that the process of, of getting it out quick, you yep. know what I mean? And he had the cooking experience and we combined that. Okay. Um, it, with the advice I would give someone trying to get into it is start small. Okay. That way you can learn quick. You know what I mean? You can learn, okay, this isn't going to work. You don't want to be in that spot when you have a line of 100 people. You don't want to learn like. So when you say like start small, and I love that that advice by the way. I mean that's something I think like start even just the idea of starting at a a festival compounds off that idea of starting small. Start where you can. Start with a like a market. Yeah, but what does starting small look like in relative to the the festival scene? Like what's that look like? I would say like around here, there's a lot of farmers markets and and little smaller. Arts markets that accept food vendors for real cheap. 80 bucks will get you a spot. And you go out 
and it's it's not so crazy. So to it's, 80, start. it's eighty bucks a uh, for, every for a booth for a booth. Yeah. Okay. Got um, you. You bring your stuff. You set it up. You sell. It's not so crazy where you learn. You know your best process to get the food out, and then as you start to fine tune those processes, you start trying to get into bigger, exactly. bigger festivals. Got you, beautiful. We didn't do that. You didn't do that. You started we, number first one. one we started was yeah. we, we five thousand in sales. Five thousand in sales. We have pictures of our line a hundred yards long for four hours. So why tacos? Well, that Here's, wasn't that wasn't what initially I wanted to do. But you hit it on the head. So we knew, and he was in a lot of big festivals. We knew there would be a gap. Um, they oftentimes don't do repeat food, and so we jumped on it. Yeah. Um, and one, one thing I will say about festivals, just some, some of the lessons we learned, is you have to be adaptable. It might rain. It might say no rain, mm-hmm. and then it rains. What are you going to do? We do a market where there's literally a 45-degree angle curb. And we cook around it. And what it is is we might have to set up based on the – there might be an incline. We might have to set up completely different the layout. And just I think what it did is this ability to think quick on our feet, assess the situation – and kind of just adaptability yeah. and that has paid dividends during this pandemic oh i bet you know because we constantly there's some type of obstacle some type yeah. of hurdle and we're just used to it and i think what the starting small is don't buy a four thousand dollar refrigerator um we had a bunch of use from facebook marketplace i think in my carport we had six refrigerators <laughs> that we got for 50 bucks and then we kind of um I guess we're lucky, man. We, we put our savings. It's funny that at the time, that was all the money we had. Yeah. It's it, funny. We can laugh at that amount now, yeah. but, um, and it was scary. But it, the whole process, we've been debt-free. We yeah, own, we've never had a loan. Like every, we, we buy stuff a little bit at a time. I love that approach, really. I think people just have this vision in their mind, and they feel like I'm not going to be legitimate until I achieve that vision, until I have all these things that say I'm a legitimate business. But your you know, your scrappiness, your the, the the ability to do it from scratch and to have it all be your your own and to not go into debt, uh, to not owe anybody money to, when right. you take these loans, but to do it because when you when you can do it with your own free will, I mean that's so powerful. How has that served you guys? Just being able to know that there's nobody you're responsible for. Oh, it's great. Other than yourselves and your families. It's, that first event we did five thousand sales. You already got we, your money back. We didn't touch it. You didn't, didn't stay, touch it. Yeah. And we used and, and that money's been building ever since. I mean, we ne- you know we hardly ever took any money. Yeah, we would just keep it and and reinvest it. What would you say your overhead expenses are to like to do a festival? Like what are your what, like well, what is it, it cost depends. I mean, some festivals like we do one. The entry fee is forty three hundred dollars. Forty three hundred, and it's and it's two hours away. Okay, you know, and then with the staff and that like that one's really high. And then we do some that are we do some here that are a two hundred and fifty dollar entry fee, and we do five thousand six thousand in sales. Damn, you know, and and it's only. Five hours, so staff isn't you know isn't too bad. And when you're not doing uh, of these festivals, were you taking the, the 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 taco operation to any other events, or were you guys doing events, or when did- we did we did a few small like breweries and stuff like that with the tacos. Okay, but in, in the beginning, it was mainly festivals, mainly and then and there was, there's a few markets that we do once a month. Okay, so. Uh, And just the downside of that, though, because we're talking about the positivities of it. The downside of being a small thing, you're doing a festival, is gauging how much product to buy. And that is an art form. Yeah. Because it's not like we have a brick and mortar where if we buy 100 pounds of shrimp and you sell, you know, 
you have a lot of spoilage. Yeah. Um, and so it's that fine, you know, that sometimes the first go around the festival, there were some tough lessons learned. Overbuying um, or underbuying? Both. Both. I mean, what, Both. what would you rather, overbuy or underbuy? It depends. I, I, I prefer to overbuy. Yeah. Um, that nothing gets me more than... People un- that show uh, up, they, they, they can't try it. Yeah. Man, if we sell out with four hours left for that day, it's like... It does hurt. Oh, it kills money. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, man, we should have brought more. Yeah, but know? at the same time, you know, you, you overbuy, then you end up getting an unsuspected rainstorm, right? And then you sit with all that inventory, all yeah. that product that is going to yeah. spoil because you don't have the next day unless you have I mean, back-to-back we, events. We watch the weather, you know, and if it, if it looks decent, I would rather have a little bit left over than, yeah. than not enough. Yeah. So what secrets are there to finding that sweet spot? Just, you know... Experience? experience experience yeah experience yep. and then um you can engage the social media has been big i could almost tell on a post and the reaction of what kind of a turnout it'll be for southerns yeah um which is which is kind of neat and then just kind of learning yeah each year i've done this you know you do this festival you learn and then like um, i wanted to touch on the food a little bit okay because so we we realized okay we're doing tacos we have two weeks right <laughs> yeah and we haven't even made any tacos right so we're at his house. He invites some people over. And I'm telling you, in one day, he had the best tacos I've ever eaten. <laughs> I'm, fish tacos, shrimp tacos, and a braised pork belly taco. Just three tacos. That's the only ones we're doing. And we took that fish taco to Louisiana Seafood Fest against the best restaurants in New Orleans. They're all restaurants, yeah. And we, when I got there and we saw our competition, I'm like, man, if we break even, I'll be happy. Yeah. I just hope I, maybe we'll get some scraps. <laughs> and the word got out on that fish taco, and we did better than anyone there. Did you guys win the, the And we won, won wow. the fan favorite award. That's awesome. And no one had ever heard of us. You know, do you think that that no one ever hearing of you? Do you think that might have like worked to your benefit? Because like, like I don't know. I mean, if I if I go there and I see two jacks and I see all these big restaurants and then I, I'm probably going to eat with them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to eat at golf. No, tacos. I think it's more handicapped than yeah. um. You know, I think word got out. You know, that's what uh, that we good. like three day festivals okay. because it gives time for word to spread. Mm. We do better every day. So when you're like, this is something that's interesting. Like when you have a brand that's new and it's all about getting the word out, right? That that's what you guys are trying to do in those first early days there. I'm sorry. We might take a break. Well, no, it's our, it's Nick. He's actually, he, he's one of our employees. He's probably just looking to put the AC on the food truck. He's really that's good so. looking too. Yeah. So, so I guess what I'm curious about is, um, how do you get the word out? Like, what have you learned about things you can do to get the word out? And because it's all about you got to. I mean, eventually people start to follow you around. They're like, oh, like Gulf's Tacos or Southern Food is going to be here. And you have people that follow you around. Yeah. Well, now it's all social media. But in the beginning, we didn't you know, we didn't really have a big social media following. And uh, I think it was just like at, at that event. Our food is good. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's important. You can't. Absolutely. Like, there's there's other vendors that come out there, and they're just trying to flip frozen foods and stuff. But, like, we're cooking on site. <laughs> Everything that you eat was just cooked. I love He's it. in the back cooking in small batches. You know what I mean? And I'm up there making them. And every taco you would get, that fish would crunch when you take a bite. It just oh, came yeah. out. 
so I'm assuming it was, it was a fried. It was a fried. It's beer a beer bath. So beer, I, okay. I lived in Mexico for a little bit. There's a little town called Pescadero. Okay. And um, it's between Todos Santos and like Cabo San Lucas. And I, I had this fish taco, and it was probably less than a dollar in this hut. And um, it's just one of those things you eat that just imprints on your brain. Mm. So I tried to mimic that. Yeah. As far as getting the word out. It might be the slowest uh, form of marketing, but word of mouth mm-hmm. is a powerful thing. And the yeah. thing at a festival, if you make good food, they're going to come back. Yeah. And that's really what we believe. They're going to um, tell their family. They're going to tell their friends. Yeah. And we feed the event organizers. Always. Yeah. Why is that? Because I, I, I want them to tell everyone, mm-hmm. man, you have to try. That happens all the time with us. And I they, mean, they probably speak to other event organizers. Exactly. And they spread the word, and then right. you get invitations to go different places. Yes, they all yeah. know each other, and it's like, hey, I, I really need a vendor for this festival. Man, yeah. you should try Golf Tacos. They're yeah. great. Yeah, and that's a lesson that's come up a few times with, with around guerrilla marketing, right? Just putting your food into people's mouths exactly. and doing whatever it takes. And that means driving, like driving around on, on your Vespa and going to every office building and just getting your food into people's mouths to, to get like that's the best way if your food's good enough it, your food should speak for itself right um so what happened with golf tacos because it seems like you guys were going like you you went you're winning these awards you're getting invitations to all these festivals you're you're picking up momentum and it seems like right around 2019 right around the same time that southern's food starts um you're you're what was going on i don't want to so the way Southerns took off, uh, we kind of just – Golf Tacos is already in every festival just about, yeah. the main ones. So we were kind of just focusing on getting Southerns to that level, getting it in all the big festivals. And then it just took off where when we, we won the Fried Chicken Fest award with Southerns. Okay, yeah. And, and since then – What year was just, this? This is 2019, right? So yeah, yeah, this was 2019, but we, we got to go back a little bit. Um, actually, the funny thing is with Southerns is my buddy has a bike shop, and uh, I, was, I just told the story last night. He, he was struggling at the time, and I felt bad. What kind of bike shop are we talking about? Uh, Boca Bikes. Shout okay. out to Boca Bikes and uh, my buddy Andy. Really, really good friend. And um, so, you know, I love my friends. And so I remember I'd stay up a few nights like, man, what can I do to help him out? His by the way, his bike shop is thriving at this point. But um, so I remember, uh, I remember thinking there's not. This is before the Popeyes craze. I just remember thinking there's not a good fried chicken sandwich. Like I'll drive across town to get a good burger. Yeah. Okay. And then why is there not a good fried chicken? I pitched it to him. I was like, dude, no one's doing it. I think it would be a hit. He thought about it for a day. Said I can't do it. So I was just, I, it became an obsession at this point too. And this is important. I remember feeling golf tacos was doing good, but it had kind of plateaued. And I remember also thinking we couldn't get into certain events. Um, like, cause we were just tacos, even though we could do anything, the name is golf tacos. And I re- I felt like we had painted ourselves in a corner. Mm. And if you actually look at the Southern's logo, I have a rolling pin and a cleaver that's sweet to savory. And what I really, the point of that was, I want the whole gambit. If we want to do donuts, we're going to do donuts. You know, we're not going to do donuts right now. But I just remember thinking the next company, I'm not, it's not going to be pigeonholed into one thing. And so went the year-long obsession on making this chicken. And we went, our cholesterol, I'm surprised we don't even have a heart attack. We went everywhere 
searching out the fried chicken sandwich, and we weren't. I mean, there were some good ones. There's some good ones. But it's not like, wow. What was the sandwich that like set the, the standard for you that like you were trying to recreate? Were you in Nashville, or was this a Nashville experience, or was it? I remember, um, yeah, we do a Nashville style, and I've had Hattie B's. I think it's a great sandwich. I think ours is better, but I love <laughs> Hattie B's, and I didn't go in there thinking it was going to be better. I remember like having reverence, like, oh, I'm at Hattie B's. I hope ours is close, yeah. and I had it. I think I called Gene. I said, do we have the edge on this? And um, that was really good. Um, I think Blue Oak locally, they had a really, it's like yeah. a sweet heat, like a sweet barbecue style. Um, that was a really good one, but there was nothing. Howlin' Rays. Howlin' Rays yeah, out in of Los LA. Angeles. Yep. I've had yep. him on the show, Johnny Ray. Really? Man, yep. that's a good sandwich. And I remember uh, my brother to, took to two me hours there. Of- <laughs> yeah, just there was, a, there was an excitement. And I remember thinking, man, we need something like that. And so we went and looked and... Uh, yeah, and this so is two thousand. Like, so this is two thousand seventeen that you guys are having this conversation. Two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. Because it took like a year later. to develop the recipe. You yeah, said two thousand eighteen. Yeah. and okay. we would do it at a few mark. And the other thing too is we thought we'd have two revenue streams at some of these festivals. I mean, at this point, we're both working. Like, we we have to we have to talk about that at two thousand. Like just recently, maybe three years ago. Um. I quit my job and I'm doing this full time. So at this time, we're working and doing this, which we should emphasize. Like we were yeah. exhausted, and that's another point to the, the like everyone like it's it's a general swing of things. It's a it's a gradual swing into a full time business. It doesn't Absolutely. happen overnight. It starts yeah. as a side hustle, right? right. And you, you guys, the are universe will tell you we, exactly. We you were know? hoping it would pay our rent. Yeah, that was that was yeah. like the dream. Like yeah. maybe one day this will pay our rent every month. So at what point did you guys leave your full time jobs? I left mine two years ago. Okay. Just about two, a little under two years ago. I couldn't, I was burnt out. And you guys I have been doing do this it. for about three years, starting with the about. Gulf Tacos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I left mine in March. Damn. Recently. Yeah. This just when, then a pandemic hit. Oh, my gosh. Um, no, no, we're good. We're good. But I left it. There was some dispute over a contract. I was working on a federal grant. Um, what kind of work were you doing? Were you still I was in- at JPHSA. I had turned down a few marketing jobs. It kind of gave me a little what bit of freedom. What is a JPSA? What is Jefferson it? Parish Human Services Authority. Okay. And they just still do, do the whole gambit okay. of um, health care from gotcha. a doctor visit, mental health visit, adolescence, social services, homeless, okay. addiction, just everything. Yeah. I love these interviews because like, we get to talk to people who are you know 30 years into their business and they have to reflect back at this time that you're literally going through right now. This is fresh for you guys. And, it's, and it, from everything we can tell, talking to Paul Tunerman, you guys are just almost selling out every day. Is what he how he explained it to what we your, sold over two hundred sandwiches in an hour and thirty eight minutes yesterday. Damn, I'm That's still nice. yeah. We That's went crazy. to um, Miel Brewery. Yeah, and just um, I want to touch on this because so Nick, who by the way just came through, he's looking at putting the AC. Nick is younger. He's about twenty five, twenty six, and this is what he does. And if you can't, you can't see me. He holds a phone to his face, and he's always on the phone. And I remember it bugged me. But I remember thinking we need to make a, a stronger social media presence. And that's the thing. We can tie it back to the chefs is we meet them where they're at. He likes to be on his phone. Yeah. So I gave him the freedom. Like, yeah. dude, I want you to be in charge of social media. And so we kind of collaborated on that in particular with Southerns. And um, just, So he was around when Southerns was. Yeah, he was around with Gulf Tacos and Gulf then Tacos Southerns. First, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, there were just there were some road there there were some signs on the road 
I remember a lot of people saying, this is the best chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. And Golf Tacos is really good, but we didn't get, this is the best taco I've ever had in my yeah. life as often. Yeah. We're talking on a pop-up, we would get that 10 times. Damn. And I just remember thinking, okay, this is catching, because we I was doubtful. So let's bring it back to the first pop. Like, so you guys have this idea. Um, you knew that the, the the Nashville hot chicken was taken off 2017, 2018. You knew there was an opportunity here. Um, you take us from the, you know, the, the the whole idea of building out this 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 concept. How do you even build out like a food mobile food unit concept? Like, what things did you need? Like, were you using your were you using both equipment for both job or one one Set of equipment for both jobs. Like, what well, we you have to duplicate had everything? Enough equipment to do. We were doing multiple golf tacos at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So there were weekends where two festivals were going on at the same time. He would take a crew and do okay. one. I would take a crew and do another. So we had enough equipment. We had two tents, multiple fryers, multiple yep. flat grills. Um, so we we basically had what we needed. I think we had to buy one more fryer yeah. to start. Southern. Well, that was something I was curious about because you're doing fish in one and chicken. I mean, were you guys using the same oil? Or was that? Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, it's no. separate yeah. tents. Gotcha, gotcha. Like yeah. separate booths. Sometimes we'd be a few booths apart from each other, you know? Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think we had to buy minimal equipment to, to start. I mean, since then, we, we now have eight fryers, yeah. you know? But, um, yeah, so we already had an idea of what worked with Golf Tacos. And we just kind of had to take that and rearrange a few things. And we learned over time, like it keeps evolving. Wait, I think, th- I think it's better this way. Let's okay. move this over here. It'll, it'll make it easier. So, yeah. so you're, you're moving into, you're, you're starting with, uh, the, uh, Southern's food. I love that you guys didn't want to like paint yourself into a corner with a brand, which was smart. Uh, and I know you have other recipes you're looking to work into the mix eventually. Uh, when you, when you started doing the, um, Southern's Foods was it only festivals or were you guys did you guys start as pop-ups we started with markets markets, markets. okay yeah and how are you deciding which markets to go to because we were already doing them with golf tacos okay so, so you we knew were just the doubling up you knew the market market pretty well exactly yeah <laughs> but so we I were, will say this with that so we had golf tacos success in our databanks, right? And in, in we had that experience. And I remember we would do Southern's and I think this is important um, it's something I would have liked to have heard even though we're still at our infancy, we would do some pop-ups where we'd maybe make $250. And I would just say, hearts and minds, boys. Hearts and minds. We're going to slow. I remember saying that, but half trying to convince myself. I remember thinking there were moments where like, dude, we could just do golf tacos and quadruple this. And there was just times. And, you know, I really want to give a shout out to some of the early, like Jared, who's a riverboat pilot. I remember for some reason, I... I respected him and he came up and he was so cocky too. He's like, I'm somewhat of a connoisseur and he took a bite and he said, this is the best I've ever had. And there were just a few people that, that said that and it just kind of gave me hope. But dude, Southerns did not. It was a struggle from like yeah. early in 2019 till September. If you look at our profits, it was just scraping by. And then when we won fried chicken fest, it really, really got and it crazy. was hard. Yeah. S- S- Golf tacos was easy. Dude, fried because chicken we were, on so, site? We, we were used to it. We yeah. knew exactly what worked. We were fast. And then we come, we're trying to fry chicken <laughs> on, on site, site with yeah. a line of people waiting. 
and it's like it was a nightmare. I mean, it was not fun. I I wanted to stay with Golf Tacos. I'm like, all right, y'all. What go was do it something. like well, when you guys were have like this divide at this point? Like, how did you guys handle those? Like those? Like, I mean, were there ever like disputes or like arguments about what you should be doing? Minor. Yeah. You know, nothing so, major. I mean, like, take us through like how to kind of like have those tough conversations when you have to like decide, should we keep doing this or should we, you know, bet on the, the sure deal? I don't, I don't think we ever felt like we shouldn't keep trying. Yeah. I never did. Like I knew it was something special. Yeah. And I noticed in both stories, you guys won an award in both situations. So obviously there's something to be said about the quality of the food, having a good product to start with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I'll say about this, especially if you're going to start out in markets and pop-ups, and this is really where I, I I rely heavily on Gene. Um, I know a lot of people that cook amazing food. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my stepmom, if we go and she'll make Filipino food and you will roll your eyes so delicious. But the thing about this is it doesn't matter unless you can sell a lot of it. Mm. And that's really Gene is the streamline. He'll stay up at night and think, how can we do this in a way? Do we do fried chicken sandwiches and we do it relatively fast. And that was ambitious. But like with the tacos, we're, we're making these purchases like we're making money in increments of eight and nine dollars. Yeah. So you have to be quick. There's yeah. only so many minutes in an hour. And I know that the food is good. Awesome. That, that's a good foundation point. But after that, you have to be fast or it's not worth it. And that's really, I think, where we excelled is that we can just manufacture it and we don't compromise flavor. And, and, and one thing to watch out for with that, though, with your staff, is I tell them often, speed is never more important than quality. Yes. Because we have a line of 50 people and it, you get caught up in that. Yep. Speed, 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 speed. And then I see a piece of fish that looks soggy. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't. But we have a line. It's like, I don't care. Speed is never more important than quality. I love it. You never know who who that person is. I don't want one person leaving here with a bad experience. Yeah, the one person that gets the soggy fish is the food writer. You know, like, I I totally I was going to give them Michelin stars. (laughs) So one thing I love that you guys do is, um, you mean, obviously... um, you have to have the good food, but the brand is a lot of fun. I think you guys have a lot of fun with branding and marketing. And do you want to take us through like like how you decided to like package and market these sandwiches? So I didn't even know. I knew like hashtag that. I know people would say that, and I think I would even say it. I had no idea what that really meant. And this <laughs> is where I relied on people like Nick. Yeah. Uh, I remember my buddy's wife, Stephanie, uh, her kind of having a conversation of, you know, uh, particularly with Instagram. Yeah, we went into it. We're all music and movie buffs. Okay. In fact, if you come to a pop-up, we're constantly reenacting some movie. We wanted to make it creative. We wanted, I think, like the culture that we wanted to set for Southerns is we wanted to feel people. We wanted them to really have an amazing experience when they come eat and eat. And uh, I'll give you an example. We did a pop-up a week ago at Second Line Brewing. And um, I, I'm normally frying, so I'm facing away from the customer. And I turned around, and there was this gentleman. He had, like, a sash on. And here, when it's your birthday, you put money, and you pin it to your shirt. Okay. And so I looked at Nick, and I said, or no, you said happy birthday. And I looked at Nick, and I said, hey, did you? And he, he already knew what I was going to say. He said, yep, I gave him a free sandwich. And what I've told them is to do it proportionally. But if in your heart you feel that giving him a free sandwich 
is then just do it. I want them when they sh- when they come to Southerns to feel special, you know. And we know a lot of our customers. Um, that's kind of the mentality I wanted. We also do it in social media. Yes, our newest sandwich, the Sweet Prince. If you go back on the thread, that was a contest where our followers picked the name. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was hoping we'd get into. You bring your 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 you know your followers in on the decision making. What does that do? I think it gives them like ownership, yes. some stake into the company. Yep. I think that, you know, um, it's interactive. We're always doing giveaways. We don't really have a loyalty program right now, but we're always giving stuff away. If I find out like a regular customer, it's their birthday, we're hooking them up. Um, and, you know, what started as an experiment, we would do certain things. We did grit fries one time. We did uh, stuffed wings and but we wouldn't print out a menu. I would just post. I remember telling Gene and Nick, like, let's see if they're really paying attention. And we put a new menu item. We didn't even say what it was. We said, we're gonna, we, we want your feedback on a dish we're working on. Just come up to the front and tell me you want the special. We didn't even say what it was. And we sold out within, I think, 15 minutes. They said, man, I want the special. They didn't even know the price or what it was. <laughs> They're like, dude, give it to me. So uh, what I love, like, what, what do you do to get these giveaways to bite? Like, do you tell people to tag a friend? Or, like, right. how, what, what, what is your process for doing a giveaway process? I mean, I think uh, you're doing giveaways, too, with the naming of the sandwich. Like, how, like what was, like, that step-by-step process of doing a, a giveaway and making it be something that not only are you giving food away, but you're getting your, your, your uh, followers to take ownership in what you're doing? Yeah. I, well, there's two things. I think that you get a lot of traffic. And then I think we do a giveaway every week. Sometimes, sometimes I just want to give sandwiches away. Yeah. And uh, so we want to give back the love. Yeah, they tag a lot of friends. Sometimes they follow, but it just kind of gets them interactive. I think when they think, oh, another giveaway, let's try. I think that that really, really just benefits. I think that you know, there's a lot going on with the company. And I don't know if you've really looked at our Instagram um, we've done movie clips. We brought out a fish sandwich, so I love Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> In fact, when you said I was about to say Wicked Schmatt, we did a scene from Goodwill Hunting uh, where we're doing the math problem. And if you zoom in, it's a fish, and you know Lent's a big deal here. And so we, we brought out the fish sandwich for Lent. Um, we've done a Forrest Gump scene. So we're just trying to get creative, yeah. you know, doing giveaways, doing movie scenes. We got one coming up. So I um, love it. Yeah. But back to the idea of creativity in, in your whole brand. And thank you for kind of giving some of the, the details away with uh, how you guys go about your, your giveaways. But the, your whole brand is kind of um, well, Southerns, but your sandwiches are named after uh, famous singers, artists. Yes. The heat levels. The heat levels. Yeah. Me and Paul had a discussion about this. Um, we love music. Yeah. In fact, I'm surprised Gene's not tapping. So we're always like listening to music, playing music. And so, yeah, it's a Southern's chicken sandwich. And our heat levels are based off just, just artists that we love. So the mild is a Lionel Richie. Yep. The medium is the Otis Redding. Um, the Rick James, we have it as super freaking hot. And then we have an underground. And we, we did an event. And there was this guy who said, I like it spicy. I said, oh, we'll make you a Rick James. And he ate it. He said, number one, it was a delicious sandwich. He said, but that's not hot. Oh. And I just put my head down. Challenge never exactly. again. <laughs> so we have a Richard Pryor. It's not on the menu. Okay. Um, you, have to, you have to kind of follow us, but uh, we have a lot of people. That's all they get. But I think that's another thing right there is, is having like the secrets that make people feel special when they know about it because it's like yes. a, it, you follow you know you have to follow them like th- those these are all like little things that are coming out like little secrets that you can do to make your brand kind of stand out and to make it kind of like alluring in like 
provocative almost. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but also I love that your brand is an extension of who you are, the things that you love. Right. And you guys have fun with it. Cause like you have these t-shirts that you're selling your merchandise is, you know, take us through that. Like the idea of buying your merchandise. Um, this, this happened this again, and this is where it just, it happens organically. You got to think on your feet. Um, during the, the pandemic, uh, tiny Buffalo clothing reached out. Mondo loves our chicken. Uh, I, I think I put on the story. Um, looking for a place to do a pop-up. I'll, I'll constantly ask you know, people that follow the page and want their feedback. And he reached out. I think he DM'd me, and he said, um, you guys can set up right here. And he's on Oak Street, Uptown, New Orleans, and it's a house. Um, and we set up the tent, and this is, they're, they're awesome. It's him, his wife, and his son. And we did a pop-up, and of course we fed them, and they gave us these tiny buffalo shirts. And uh, we're like, dude, you don't have to do this. He didn't ask for a cent. We did it next week, and we, we said, man, we should collaborate. And so he came up with some shirts. I had one idea of a shirt, which he did. There's always a, the Chick-fil-A with the cows riding Eat More Chicken. Yeah. So I wanted the idea where the chicken kills the cow. <laughs> and so on the shirt, the cow's like started to spray paint, and he's dead. And the whole point is like Southern's chicken's killer. And it's like we're better than Chick-fil-A, right? Yeah. Like subconsciously. So he, he printed up these shirts. I was like, man, I love them. And so what we did is we promoted it. And the cool thing about them is they have a digital printer. It's not like they have to print 100 shirts and hope they sell 100. Um, they could come up. They could order. They would be print on order. their porch. Yeah. And then they could order it along with online. We gave 100% of the profits to Tiny Buffalo. Wow. And we, dude, I was serious. Like, Wait, man. So what is Tiny Buffalo? It's, it's a clothing. They, they okay. print. It's a, it's a printing place. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. So I'm, they were just fans of your sandwich. And they say, come set up in front of our place. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. And I, I hope, I don't know. I think we were able to help them. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't take a cent from it and we gave them all the profits we did. Um, I think we did a six shirt giveaway last week where we got them a good bit of followers and it's just this idea of, we want to help the people in our community. Yes. It always comes back around, but you you have these t-shirts, so you're not making any, um, profit from your t-shirts. None. Wow. Uh, but I love, so the t-shirts that I'm referencing, you have the name, like, so all of your sandwiches are named after these famous singers and then you guys superimpose like a sandwich in their hand where I'm assuming a mic would be or something. So it looks like these singers are like we'll link to it in the show notes but it looks like these singers are taking a big bites out of uh, yes. these sandwiches i'm gonna have to go to tiny buffalo before i leave to get the 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 rick james i believe that's the one i want yeah. richard but, Pryor's awesome too. yeah yeah <laughs> but they're great ideas and it's just like you guys are like you have like this brand and like you have fun with it and it's so obvious and it's it's tied to who you are which i think is a really important part of it too because it's so much easier to show up to work every day to the to who you are, not yeah. some other brand you have to be. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, try to make it fun. Yeah. Um, any other big lessons that you can share with us? Cause we're kind of like at this point where, you know, we should talk a little bit about COVID and I know b- before COVID-19, you guys were hopefully going to be, you were going to be opening a brick and mortar. That was the plan. Did you already have a spot like selected? We, we probably looked at seven or eight different locations. Yeah. I mean, right before the yeah. virus. That's, uh, yeah. So that that's was the plan. Seattle. So like what, what I mean, obviously, like the, the the virus made you not go ahead with doing that. Uh, but why exactly did you make that decision to to hold off? Were you? Do you think the market was going to come down? You get better deals, or like what was more opportunities with closures? I think that was an idea. Yeah, if we hold off. But I mean, I mean, it was pretty obvious that we can't go forward with this right now. Yeah. Everything shut down. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And this is where, like, um, I think it helped initially having to adapt is. I think you can't have tunnel vision. And it's funny because we met with Paul 
And Paul said, hey, I got a food truck. And my almost exact words were like, Paul, we're moving forward, not backward. We're not getting a food truck. We're going brick and mortar. And then you fast forward two, three months. We have a food truck in the parking lot, but that's a smart play now. Yeah. You know, three months ago, that, would have been, that wouldn't have been the smart play. And so it's just assessing the situation. And really and truly, um, the thing with the pandemic and the COVID is it was almost like each week it would change. Of like, okay, it works this week. And it was almost – and then we got into the marketing of the T-shirts. Uh, we did a lot where we started feeding healthcare workers. And um, that generated a lot of hype, too, and we were able to help, and we made a lot of good contacts. And then it became like doing these pop-ups. Um, so it was just almost what would work one week might become redundant the next week. And just staying on your toes and monitoring the atmosphere, you know? And, um, you know, the, the funny thing is in feeding the healthcare workers and our followers were donate. Um, I think a, law- a friend of ours, a lawyer, reached out and gave us enough to do 100 two-lane workers. Um, we fed them, and then people started DMing, hey, I want to donate. And they started DMing, and so, but we were transparent. We go everywhere where we did it. We teamed up with another restaurant that was struggling at the time. We love it, pharmacy. Um, and so we got donations for both, and it was able to help them, and then we fed healthcare workers. And so that was one week. And then now that we have the food truck, a lot of the doctors and nurses that we ended up feeding can't wait for us to come and do lunch in mm. front of the hospital. So it's just this idea back to what we opened up with service to others and just it pays dividends, yeah. I, you know? And just the power of getting food into people's mouths. Yeah, like yeah. like you 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 know, you're doing good, you're doing the right thing, but whenever you doing good's good business. You know, it always yeah. comes back around and the best way to market your food, like we said before, is just getting it into people's mouths is the best way to do it. Um so what is your plan going forward? Like, if, for people that are listening to us, I'll have a lot of people who are right at where you guys are, where you you have your your concept, you have your food, you might be mobile, you might be in the the, the point of becoming a brick and mortar. What's your strategy for the future? With, well, this is the, where yeah. this is where I'm gonna like reach out to you. I know that there's there's been a few people. Uh, so this trio came on Friday and I think they want to invest and this is uncharted waters. So maybe if you could point out some people that could maybe help walk me through that. But, but yeah, I think brick and mortar is, is going to be the direction. Uh, we've also went to Baton Rouge, um, special lab. We were just there a few weeks ago, but pre COVID is we wanted to build our customers outside of new Orleans, right? With that in mind. And so we have a pretty good following in Baton Rouge as well. But yeah, we've had um, two people that have kind of approached us thinking about investing. I think one of them have background in franchising, so which I know nothing about. So um, we're going to be consulting some people and um, and learning this. But it's all this whole thing has just been a learning experience, you know, quick on your feet yeah. and adapt and grow. Well, I think that the you know it's smart to hold off on the the brick and mortar temporarily because there's going to be so much vacancy right um so much and vacancy. Th- and i think the because it's, it's going to be a you know a, it's a going to be a restaurant tours market right you know so if you can survive this uh i, I think there is going to be another end i think people things will return to somewhat of a normalcy eventually but we're going to lose almost 50 percent of all restaurants so there's going to be so much more on the table and so much talent acquisition on the table too right. uh to to 
kind of like wait until things start to turn around is kind of a good play. You already have your brand. You guys yeah. are still selling out to all the events you're going to, even though events are kind of slow right now, I'm imagining. Uh, there's not many festivals there's right no now. Festivals. Yeah, so we don't. Yeah. So how are you? That's a good question. We need to get into that. How have you adapted uh, to be able to continue cash flow without festivals? Are you just doing pop ups at, at uh, breweries? Is that kind of what you're leaning on? Stuff like that. Right. Exactly. So we're. I mean, we're we're not really hurting from from this. Okay. I mean, we did lose a lot of revenue from these festivals. Yeah. We had golf tacos and southerns booked at every major festival this year okay uh for the first time yeah before it was just it's a lot of work to set that all up too it is yeah but uh but i talked to all these different organizers we we're gonna have them right next to each other we had staff lined up yeah and the virus hits and they're all canceled yeah but i mean we just kind of like he talked about we just kind of adapted we started doing uh two a week during the virus one at tiny buffalo another at a friend of ours bar in the parking lot yeah just take out only no hand-to-hand contact they would call ahead order it and they would pay through an app what app are you using do you remember uh well we use square okay most of the time but i mean we would do venmo whatever uh to pay beforehand no cash okay they would come up and we'd have their orders on the table with tickets with their name where they know which one to take is theirs you know yeah and we were selling out like that that's crazy man um so anything we have not discussed up to this point before we go to our next break, thank your sponsors. Um, no, I just, early on, we wanted to give it a price point because remember I said that I worked in all this fine dining. Most of what fine dining is, is meticulous care for the product. Yeah. Okay. Um, but since I couldn't normally eat fine dining, like that would be a, a big deal is we wanted to keep the price points reasonable. And there's certain entities where whether we're in a recession or not, they're going to thrive. And I remember thinking, I want to give them the pinnacle of a product, but I want them, if we are in a slump, our economy, I want them to still be you able want it to, to be approachable. Yeah. 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 And I think with our price points. Um, so you're that, $9 a sandwich, right? $9 a sandwich. Yeah. So a lot of people would say that that's not cheap. I mean, I think the consumer would probably say that's not cheap. But you know, there's a lot of restaurateurs out there that are saying you probably get $12 for that sandwich. Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the places we went to get chicken sandwiches were $12, $13, yeah, $14. Yeah. So how did you guys come up with that price? Is there, did you cost out every item in that sandwich and figure out what the value is? And did you, like, are you, is it a percentage of that? Like, what did you, how'd you come to that number? I mean, we did, we did cost out everything. Uh, and I don't know if we had like a specific method. Um, I think we just based it too on on what price points were. We were cheaper. We we actually get told quite often that should be more. Yeah. I mean, if you go to something that's within that level, it's more expensive. But, but it's um, not. You're not getting fries with that either, are you? No. You're, you're not. just getting the sandwich. Yeah. You're just getting the sandwich. Yeah. So yeah, with fries, it'd be thirteen, fourteen dollars. So, yeah. you know, I think that's doable. Um, I mean, we went to McDonald's and I. We got two breakfasts. We were heading to an event, and I think we upped the drink to a vanilla iced coffee, a large. It was seventeen dollars. You know, um, so yeah, I, I think it's a for what you're getting. I think it's a great price point. Um, yeah, yeah. Listening yeah. to you, it, it, you kind of remind me of P. Terry from P. Terry's in Austin, Texas. Okay, and they have like the, the highest quality like. 
burger like deliver like it's like a drive through like in and out style burger right but yeah. um they they barely they they rely so much on volume because they know they're practically giving the sandwich away but that's their approach is like huh. we're they're, they're banking on the fact that they they know they're the best and that they're going to have a line out the door every day another um, thing though is the toppings that come on this sandwich are made right here from scratch yeah. house made pickles I watch him make these seasonings from scratch yep. and making here, coughing and sneezing, <laughs> breathing in seasonings, make cutting pickles, cutting cucumbers. You know what I mean? Making the aioli from scratch. Yep. It's not like we're just putting jar pickle on a on a piece of chicken in a bun. Yeah. Like there's a lot of work that goes into this. Yeah, I love it. So one question I ask all my guests before going to the speed round is uh, how have you transformed? So the mission statement of Restaurant Unstoppable is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. So how have the two of you personally transformed over the past three or four years? I think we're building this company up. I think we're using a various tools. I think we're working with a lot of entities in the community. Um. And the most important thing is our volume and sales have gone up and our quality has not. And I think that's also important, too. I know with growth, that's always an issue. And, um, and we're learning. You know, I think we're learning how to interact. I've been reading this uh, leadership. You know, I tend to be kind of hard-edged and just kind of praising people for what I've, I've made it a point to praise you lately because um, oftentimes I think it. And I assume you know because I'm thinking it, but I don't necessarily vocalize that. So just kind of being better at that. Yeah. What about, what about that? Same question for Eugene. How yeah, you- I think in the beginning, this for me, it was just like a side hustle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like hopefully we can go do a few festivals a year and make some money. And then now it's, I mean, it's just taken off to where like this is, this is going to be something big. Yeah. I love- um, and I think one thing is that I know I was never afraid to approach someone and ask for guidance, yeah. and he wasn't either. Um, like at the festivals, lesson. like I would, I would just walk up, put myself out there, and be vulnerable, and be yeah. like, "Look, how how does this festival, you know?" And a lot of people would help us. Yeah, and I think that's another benefit of being a generous, good person, just generally because people are going to be that much more willing to help you when you do approach them. If you have a good reputation, you have, if you have a good name, right. if you, if you, if your business does exist to serve others, you know, like yeah. that, the word about that gets out, your reputation gets out and people are going to be that much more generous with you. It always comes back around. And then now I make it a point. If I see a new vendor come up and I see them struggling and they're not sure what I go immediately and help them. Mm. You know, we try to help, Everybody we can I love under it. us, you know? I love it. Great stuff, guys. Great conversation. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to bust out a speed round. Awesome. What is going on, Unstoppables? I wanted to use this time to let you know about our latest project here at Restaurant Unstoppable, Restaurant Unstoppable Network. What this network is is literally me reflecting back on 700 plus interviews with some of the most badass restaurant owners, operators, and experts out there. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow, who are the people I'm going back to to, to learn from specifically on what it is that they, they do best? And we're going to be dripping this stuff out to you guys slowly, intentionally, week after week. And here's a really cool part. As I'm reconnecting with these experts and these past guests and hand-selecting my, my, my past guests to come back and join us, you're going to be able to literally join the conversation live. Our first live event 
is going to be shared within Restaurant Unstoppable, the podcast this week. It's the actually our, our next episode. Ari Weinswag joined us to talk about visioning. That episode will be going live in a couple of days. This week, uh, we have live in the network Rudy Mick joining us to talk about the power of core values and getting your people to, to live your core values and to use core values through the decision-making process. And you literally get to join us live for these episodes and you ask your questions live on the show. It's my love. It's my way of taking this thing to the next level. And I want all of you guys to be a part of it. So to be a part of this uh, community of people coming together to share knowledge and to move our industry forward, head over to restaurant unstoppable network.com and create your account. Again, that's restaurant unstoppable network.com. And you're really supporting the show if you join the community. So thank you in advance. Uh, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Maybe you get one answer from the both of you guys there. I think for me, I try to remain calm mm. in the like in the panic. Mm. You know what I mean? Like absolutely. Like it feels like the world is ending because it's so tense right now. We're so busy, and this just happened. And my, I try to, to to remain calm. Like okay, how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. Right. And what what's the same question for you, Anthony? Passion, passion, passion. Love it. What are your biggest weaknesses? I have high standards. Yeah, I have high standards. Um. Both the strength and the weakness. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's more of a handicap. But yeah, um, expecting that. And I, I'm coming to learn that no one's going to care as much about the company as us. Yeah. But how can I move forward with that understanding? And so I think that is, I'm working on that currently. I love it. Uh, what is, do you want to share a weakness? I, I agree. Okay. Uh, what is one question you guys ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? When you're, when you're asking those questions, when you're, when you're trying to find new people for your team, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you I, asking? I think the way we do it is we'll, we'll kind of explain to them and try to warn them on how it's going to be out there. And if they agree to that, we bring them on, and then that's their interview. Yeah. You know, are you willing? <laughs> right. It's like we watch them work, and we know within five minutes, yeah, if they have the if they're going to work out or not. I love it. Uh, share your biggest challenge today. Hey, buddy. <laughs> oh, um, I think kind of what I touched on. Uh, my biggest challenge today is to get this thing to the next level. Is complete uncharted waters. And so finding the right mentor, mentors, and, um, and just going about that. Because now we're going to get to an area where I don't have much experience. I know my food's really delicious, but I have no idea if we were going to franchise or open multiple brick and mortars, what that's going to look like. So that's scary. I think that's going to be the next big challenge for us. Yeah, that's a big one to, to tackle, too. A big, another big challenge also is balance. With we both have young daughters, mm. we both have three year olds at home, wives. That you know what I mean, and, yeah. and we're like married to each other basically yeah. in this business. It's like a I'm marriage, yeah. And like his wife told me yesterday, you're with him more than I am. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, so it's a balance thing. Like I think we're on fire here. Everything's going great, and I get home. And she's not happy. Yeah. Or vice versa. I got her happy and now I get here and I'm like, oh man, I've neglected this. So, so how are you dealing with that challenge? I, just a day at a time. Yeah. Um, I, I'm learning as I go. You know, I'm trying to, to put it, you know, balance at, balance it all. Yeah. And I'm learning as I go. I don't do it perfect. Yeah, nobody does. We're all, we're, we're, I think That's we could all be point. better at that. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. So this is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. 
Uh, I have it written up here. It's a meti- it's on the other side. It's a meticulous pursuit of perfection with a constant sense of urgency. Mm. Right, we're striving for that, but we have to have that sense of urgency. That's just from the work. I love it. Perspective. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your operation. A way to go above and beyond to please your guests, but it's not common throughout the industry. I think he touched on it too, like the giveaways. Yeah, you know, like each customer we treat like a friend. Mm. You know, how do you guys track the giveaways? How do you compensate for it? Is it is there like a do you have like a, a budget of giveaways you allow allow yourself that you work in, or is it just kind of not really? We yeah. kind of just do it on the whim. Gotcha, uh, and, and it's worked out so far. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner? Well, I, I, the, the one I'm currently reading is the uh, leadership. I think it's John Maxwell, which is weird. He has like a he's a Christian leader, so he has a, a Christianity background, yeah. and he started writing these books. And business leaders started it started taking off. He's now a bestseller, but it's kind of what we touched on is that compassion, that giving back, but also being a leader, which oftentimes you don't hear about that. You hear about like cutthroat Wall Street, I'm yeah. gonna, you know, yeah. and so it's just that idea of um. I can't do it alone, and so how can I make the people around me better? Yes, I love it. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Hmm. I mean, I think we're seeing. I, I think we're about to see a shift, and I think what this COVID has exposed is what slim a margin yeah. um, we're riding. Um, it's it's weird that I know a few sous chefs that that are making more now on unemployment. And I don't know what the answer is. If the price has to go up, I don't know how that works if we go into a deep recession. But um, what I will say is one thing that stood out during this was this. um, And I know some of it was they got the PPP and it was better to stay closed. But I was really scratching my head how I wasn't seeing the adaptability that I thought I was going to see. What do you mean? Just um, to do like to-goes, to kind of cater a menu. I'm not going to get a steak to-go, right? So you'd have to – it might not fit the menu that you were doing, but I just remember thinking like wondering – and it's not a criticism. It was just like, man, I wonder why they're not open. Right. Like you could just do this or you could do this. And um, that was was kind of one thing. Yeah. So the uh, not being willing to adapt to survive. Yeah. And then servers making two – 13 yeah. an hour. And That's you, crazy. Yeah. The thing you said earlier, by the way, like, I don't know how we're going to get over this, how we're going to overcome this challenge of like, the, just people aren't making it what they're worth, you know? And I think we've undervalued the, the uh, food in general. And we're starting to realize that, like, when we, when we strip all, we, when we look for shortcuts and we try to make it about the bottom line, like, it, the, 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 the quality of the food suffers and that that affects our health that affects our livelihood all these things i think it also comes down to just sharing knowledge and explaining that you know it should be like we should stop trying to like undercut people and just say hey like this is the cost of a sandwich it's this percentage you know and like get on the same page that food should be you know a percentage of what it costs to make that thing and like sharing the knowledge and how to do that right i think is how we're going to overcome it um helping each other out do you want to reflect on that no, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think awareness is going to help with that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, again, I think the price of certain things is just going to have to go up yep. to pay the workers yeah. their value. But is the public going to be willing to? So it's, it's tough. It'll be interesting. Uh, but I think, you know, we have to educate the public. We have to let them know have this is what it costs. I think yeah. they're going to be educated by the ripple effect that's probably coming. Probably, for sure. Uh, so what is 
a service you've outsourced to? I know you mentioned Tiny Buffalo for your T-shirts. Any other companies you've outsourced to 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 do something for you? No. Can you? No. I can't think of anything. We'll just give Tiny Buffalo another pitch there. (laughs) Tiny Buffalo for... uh, for merch. For merch, yeah. Okay, so what is one technology you've adopted within the four walls of your business that's had a huge impact? Um, I mean, the square, you know. Uh, we can track our sales and, and see what's up and what's down, what's really moving, what's not. Um, other than that, I mean, we don't really – can you Just think? Instagram. I, I can oh, – yeah. yeah. I can set up. Uh, we I think we did one we here. Did one here. Yeah. we did. You drove here. It's, yeah, it's no, hard to find. Right by the airport. <laughs> we're literally on the the, the <laughs> right. So we're so out of the way. I think we set up a tent, and we did. The hours were horrible, and we did almost two thousand in sales to go orders in the pandemic. And what that's really all that, that we kind of covered is um, our followers. <laughs> yeah. Is I can say, hey, we're going to be here at this time, and that they will come and support us, and that's awesome. That is incredible. Uh, but you know, I'm going to reinforce what you're doing. You're there for them, you know, and Absolutely. that's what happens when you're there for other people. When you make it about other people, when you're generous with other people, they return that generosity uh, for sure. And this is uh, the last question. Uh-oh. It's a doozy, so get ready for it uh if you got the news you guys would be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your work in your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exceptions of three pieces of wisdom that the two of you could leave behind what would those three pieces of wisdom be um i would i would say like always be kind to yep. others no matter yep. what yeah um don't be greedy I, I try not to get greedy you know yeah. we see this money coming in and it's like it's bigger than that. Yeah. Because I can have all the money in the world and still be miserable. So was that two or one? That's two. Okay. Anthony, give us one more. Um, I would just, you know, help others. Yeah. It, yeah. it really would. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. And giving away, you receive. So be kind. Don't get greedy. Help others. Right. I love it. Sound weak, huh? <laughs> no, man, it's great. It's great. Uh, I love this conversation, guys. Thank you so much for letting us come in. Uh, if if we wanted to come join your team, and you guys sound like you're a young company, uh, you have a lot of opportunity on the table, you're going to be looking to hire a lot of people, what's the best way to connect? Either through Instagram. That's probably the best and way. And your handle? Uh, at at Southern's Food. And that's Southern's with, with an, an S. S. Food. Correct. Uh, and uh, this is how we wrap up every chat. Uh, who's one or two or three, three people you respect and admire? And somebody you would listen to this podcast if you knew they were a guest on the show. Who are they? Who are they? Call them out. You said it earlier. Uh, who'd you say the guy doing the sushi? Oh, J- well, yeah, James Corwell would be good. Um, James Corwell. Yeah, I think uh, there's a neat place, uh, the Banh Mi Boys, Bon-mi which Boys. I think like the Vietnamese and the Latino. That's the new yeah. uh, Creole. All right, that's the new Creole food in New Orleans. They're in a gas station and they are just killing the game. Yeah. Bombie uh, boys, Bombie boys. They're not far from here. And um, I don't know uh, what's his, his name's the Turkey and the Wolf. Oh uh, yeah, have yeah. you done it, it's Mason? I believe is yes. Yeah, he's on I my would, radar. We we did connect. He wasn't able to. He, he had a tight okay. uh, schedule this week, but he's on my radar. He's I think he's down to be a guest in the, my re, my repeat return, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. Uh, 
I think that's it. Like I say to all my guests, thank you so much for coming on the thank show. You. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without you guys being so generous with your time and knowledge. And there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Right. We'll cut it there. Great right. job, guys. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Gene and Anthony, guys, thank you so much for letting me come in and share your story and make an example of your hustle, your scrappiness. You're willing to do it on your own, uh, not taking all that cash up front to get yourselves in the hole, but saying, no, we're going to do this slowly. We're going to do this steadily. We're going to make relationships. We're going to take care of our guests. We're going to collaborate with our community. We're going to start where we can. We're going to do a few things really well. And man, you guys are crushing it. It was an honor to make an example of you. Uh, so many things to be taken from today's chat. But before I say goodbye to you guys today, I want to remind you that the evolution of Restaurant Unstoppable is slowing down and getting more intentional, doing a lot of what these guys did today, really connecting with their community, their network, making it meaningful, making it intentional, uh, collaborating with the right people, and just creating those win-win situations. And that's what I'm going to be trying to do going forward into the future with Restaurant Unstoppable Network. We're going to be reflecting back at the folks that made the biggest impression on me. I'm going to be inviting them to, to come hang out within this network. And we're going to be doing these deep dive conversations on specific topics that will help you guys become unstoppable in the restaurant industry. And here's a cool thing. If you're in the network, if you're a part of the community, if you create your own profile, you can come join us during these conversations and literally ask your questions to my 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 network of badass restaurateurs and uh professional or uh, experts, consultants, experts, whatever you want to say. I think I said experts way too many times there, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, the other really cool thing about this too is that I'm making myself available uh, Monday for Masterminds, Tuesday for a regular book club, and then Thursday for office hours where I'm just hanging out. And one thing I would really like to start doing is inviting my guests after their episode goes live to come hang out in Zoom so you guys can literally listen to their episodes and then have a conversation with them afterwards. That's the kind of thing we're going to be able to do within this network, within this community to really take the service of Restaurant Unstoppable to the next level and to help you guys connect all over the nation. So if you're excited about this, as excited as I am, the best way to support is to head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com right now and create a profile. And guys, heads up. I need the help, and this is the best way you can support the show. If you're finding value, if you if this this thing is inspiring you to do better in your restaurant, in your life every day, then come support the show, restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Until next time, peace out.